Hey, everyone. Obviously, there's a lot going on right now. And before we get to the episode, we wanted to share with you a short list of previous episodes that may help illuminate the current protests and riots in the name of civil rights in a historical context, from the revolts against slavery, through Jim Crow and integration, up through Rodney King, in addition to episodes that highlight the long-term systematic and social ways that Black folks have been brutally kept down through violence, fake science, drug laws, segregation, the language that's long defined Black people as monsters and subhumans, the various moral panics, as well as the history of policing, all the way from the 1600s into the present day, but also how solidarity has manifested and been broken down by the powerful. We will be donating the money made from this episode to the Black Visions Collective that focuses their work on transformative justice in Minnesota and grounds their work in long-term system change campaigns, political education, leadership development, and cultural justice. We hope you'll consider donating to one of the nonprofits listed in our episode notes and listen to, revisit, or share these episodes with those who may be in need of context and understanding of what is happening on this national scale. We believe that our collective past is the best guide to our present. You can find those episodes in our show notes. And now, here's a terrible episode about more terrible stuff. We get it if you aren't in the headspace for it. Sending all our love to you and yours. This is American Hysteria's Aftershock, where I share with you a story that didn't make it into the main episode. I'm your host, Chelsea Weber-Smith, and today we're talking about Gamergate. Before it had a name, it was nothing but trying to get me to kill myself, trying to get people to hurt me, going after my family. Gamergate will always be that to me. Um, making the same accusation everybody makes uh, towards any successful woman that clearly she got to where she is because she had sex with someone. If you haven't heard of the online video game scandal called Gamergate, consider yourself lucky. But you're not lucky anymore, are you? Gamergate was a surprisingly widespread conspiracy theory about, you guessed it, the liberal feminist infiltration of the male-dominated video game industry, or what I like to call the man cave of America. Really quick, don't get me wrong here, we at American Hysteria love our gamers. But the only video game I've played in the past five years was some horror movie video game that my entire family watched me play, including my granny. We're only talking about a small faction of extreme misogynistic gamers today. And just so you know, it's gonna get really rough. Gamergate was also the nickname given to the extreme harassment campaign full of violent and disturbing threats that was mounted in response to a boogeyman myth of women who used sex to get ahead in the gaming community. The hashtag Gamergate was used by the perpetrators, who have been called Gamergators, and initially organized through anonymous profiles on sites like 4chan, Reddit, and Twitter. 
those who support the actions taken by those gamer gators claim that they've been a part of a movement, though there is no cohesive ideology to this group and there's no credible evidence to support this conspiracy. But yes, women are writing about video games from a feminist perspective, making up a pretty tiny voice in a sea of computer dudes. The harassment originally targeted Zoe Quinn, who identifies as non-binary and uses they-them pronouns, as I will today. They are a 27-year-old independent video game developer who created the unorthodox Depression Quest, a game that launched in February of 2013. A simple text-based game based on Quinn and co-writer Patrick Lindsay's own experiences with mental illness, Depression Quest may not sound like a super fun idea for a video game, but it was also a pretty innocuous creation to add to the hyper-violent canon of modern video games, and as we learned about in our Men's Rights episode around male depression, it was something that the very men who would go on to rage so hard about could probably have used. The game functions sort of like a choose-your-own-adventure book, as the player is presented with a prompt and a series of choices that determine how the story unfolds. However, to demonstrate the sometimes debilitating effects of depression, some of the choices are crossed out and unavailable to the player. For example, when a character in the story prompts you with the phrase, what's wrong, the option to confide in her honestly is crossed out, and instead the player must choose from the less desirable options, such as insist that nothing is wrong and change the subject. Zoe Quinn and Patrick Lindsay were fully aware that Depression Quest lacked the traditional entertainment associated with video games, but they were hopeful that it could be educational and even open up a dialogue about living with depression. Following the initial release of Depression Quest, the game was generally received positively by video game critics who understood and embraced what Zoe and Patrick were trying to do. However, for Zoe, the backlash began almost immediately. Initially, online criticism of the game was limited to negative reviews on blogs and forums by gamers who felt that Depression Quest was undeserving of the positive hype surrounding it. Others felt that the reception was indicative of a changing landscape in the video game industry and online spaces, where traditional combat and skill-centered games would be replaced by thoughtful but unentertaining games, addressing serious topics, social justice, full of PC language, and packed full of lessons and morals. It took 30 years, but the world of political correctness has finally set its sights on video games. The Gamergate controversy began earlier this year, and one of the big concerns, misogyny and war against women in video game culture. The wider story became that liberal politics had entered into the industry and that developers like Zoe Quinn were being rewarded not for their talent, but for catering to the progressive mindset and working consciously against what else but the rights of men to be men and say bad words at everyone over their headsets. First, it was jokes, memes, comments, and rants on internet forums, the typical stuff, almost all from behind that safe veil of anonymous usernames. 
But soon, the posts grew increasingly violent, full of death threats and assault threats and rape threats, so vile that I want to protect you, dear listener. But just know that whatever I share here, the more extreme examples are far, far, far worse. As the backlash persisted, fans of Depression Quest and members of the gamer community at large defended Zoe Quinn and posted supportive messages. Zoe was undeterred and mostly able to ignore the troubling backlash, and they soldiered on working to secure a wider release for Depression Quest on the popular gaming platform Steam. The game was released in August 2014, where it was packaged as a pay-what-you-want game, with proceeds going to the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. The spark that would ignite Gamergate into a full-blown offensive would happen just five days later. On August 16, 2014, a very long blog entry titled The Zoe Post was first published online. It was written by Zoe's ex-boyfriend, Aaron Joni, featuring screenshots of texts and instant message conversations between them over the course of their seven-month relationship, in which they broke up several times. Written in multiple acts, the Zoe post was intended, according to Joni, who was subsequently interviewed by BuzzFeed, to be a call-out post detailing Zoe's behavior in their relationship, which Joni characterized as emotionally manipulative and abusive. Additionally, the post seemed to call out what Joni perceived as an unethical relationship between progressive, social justice-oriented video game designers and the media. Joni insisted that he had little interest in video games, and this particular issue only arose as a byproduct of Zoe's alleged infidelity during their relationship. I read almost the whole thing, and to be fair, it sounded like a bad relationship, and perhaps some of what Joni wrote about Zoe was true, a picture of the kind of relationship many of us have regrettably had, but most of these alleged offenses amounted to cheating and lying, an experience that, of course, sucks. Along with alleging that Zoe had cheated on him multiple times with multiple men during their on-and-off relationship, Joni's post appeared to imply that during this time, Zoe had slept with video game journalist Nathan Grayson in exchange for a positive review of Depression Quest. Joni later stated that he hadn't intended to allege this, and it had come from a misunderstanding because of a typo in his blog. While Zoe and Nathan Grayson were briefly in a relationship, it didn't happen until after the positive review of Depression Quest. Nonetheless, Joni asserted that Zoe may have used friendly, if not sexual, connections to journalists to increase positive media coverage of Depression Quest a game that Joni later described as good and novel and deserving of the critical praise it received. On a broader scale, Joni insisted that there is a pattern of nepotism in the gaming industry, particularly between game designers and journalists, which leads to games centered around issues of social justice and progressive politics being covered favorably in the press, despite the fact that they may not be well received by the general gaming public. 
But critics disagreeing with the general public is pretty much a hallmark of every kind of art. Joni later admitted that he had been in communication in an advisory capacity with other proponents of Gamergate, though with the intention of being a whistleblower and without condoning personal attacks or threats of violence. But at the same time, he also claimed that he estimated the likelihood of harassment at 80%. He said that while he regretted this, he did not regret the original blog post. Soon after the post had been published, Zoe's Wikipedia profile was edited to have a time of death, and that time of death said soon. And when Zoe's friend edited it back, just moments later, it was changed to died October 13th, 2014, that very day. The same month that Depression Quest was released on Steam and the Zoe post was published online, Zoe became the victim of what we know as doxing, internet slang for document tracing, where personal information is hacked and made public. In Zoe's case, it was their phone number, email address, home address, and then nude photos. Quinn had to first change their phone number and then was forced to leave their home after death and rape threats would not stop and people claimed to be waiting outside their residence. Soon the threats spread to family and friends. This is a quote from Zoe. The Internet spent the last month spreading my personal information around, sending me threats, hacking anyone suspected of being friends with me, calling my dad and telling him I'm a whore, sending nude photos of me to my colleagues and basically giving me the burn the witch treatment. Meanwhile, individuals in the gaming industry, including many, many men, widely condemned these attacks against Zoe, as did video game fans and members of the general public, as expressed on social media. Many of those who defended Zoe were also subjected to harassment and, in extreme cases, doxing. You ever notice how finding time and energy to do the most basic human necessity, eat literal food, has become just another exhausting task jammed into our increasingly inhuman schedules? Well, your spring can be a little more stress-free with Factor. Factor will provide you with delicious, never-frozen, ready-to-eat, gourmet meals that are chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready-to-eat in just two minutes. Each week, you get to choose from a menu of 35 options to create your perfect breakfast, lunch, or dinner with absolutely no prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. And Factor makes sure you get exactly what you want. You can tailor deliveries to your schedule and customize how many meals you want each and every week, and you can pause anytime. So just head to factormeals.com slash American Hysteria 50 and use code American Hysteria 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code American Hysteria 50 at factormeals.com slash American Hysteria 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Check out Factor today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For Anita Sarkeesian, this is the new normal. Armed escorts at public events, tracking her every move. I'm constantly aware of the fact that um, there's an enormous amount of hate directed towards me. Hate in the form of bomb threats, rape threats, even death threats. Anita Sarkeesian was also singled out by proponents of Gamergate due to her YouTube series, Tropes vs. Women in Video Games, videos that have been described as a feminist critique of the depictions of women in video games. A Twitter user under the handle at Bendin created an online game called Beat Up Anita Sarskian, tweeting out the explanation, quote, She claims to want gender equality in video games, but in reality, she just wants to use the fact that she was born with a vagina to get free money and sympathy from everyone who crosses her path. Anita was also the victim of a doxing attack when her personal information, including her home address and even her social security number, were leaked. Following this were frightening messages and tweets sent directly to her, one of which read, quote, I'm sitting outside your apartment, and here he says her address, with a loaded gun. The moment you step outside, I'm going to blow you away. Like Zoe before her, Anita left her home after the rape and death threats got too real. In October of 2014, she was also forced to cancel a scheduled appearance at Utah State University after the school received multiple anonymous threats of violence, one of which directly referenced the Gamergate campaign and one that threatened a mass shooting motivated by anti-feminism. An FBI investigation into the threats failed to identify those behind them. Though the harassment gradually waned, the Gamergate subreddit continues to host discussions about the influence of social justice in the video game industry. Efforts have also been made to curtail online harassment, and nonprofit organizations like the Online Abuse Prevention Initiative and the Crash Override Network have been formed to help those who've experienced this level of harassment and to connect them with the appropriate law enforcement channels if it becomes necessary. Despite the lack of evidence that the video game press is In bed with feminists, the Gamergate supporters who have distanced themselves from the harassment campaign have continued to call for a more ethical gamer press, which is their right. They claim that the press coverage of Gamergate has been one-sided and that the mainstream media has failed to look past the harassment at what Gamergaters feel is legitimate criticism. Some Gamergate supporters have claimed that they themselves have been victims of harassment because of their beliefs. 
While Zoe Quinn and other victims of Gamergate have been able to move on from the harassment, the endlessly complicated conspiracy theories rage on on the very websites that spawned the campaign in the first place. Some even purport that Zoe faked the harassment entirely and partnered with the liberal media in a smear campaign against male gamers. Some have called Zoe a fake victim and have alleged that Zoe is the actual perpetrator of the harassment. Just last September, the hashtag ZoeQuinnIsAMurderer trended on Twitter among Gamergate believers, alleging that Zoe harassed a man so badly that he was driven to suicide, ignoring the hundreds and hundreds of requests received by Zoe to do just that. The careers of Zoe Quinn, Anita Sarskian, and others who have been doxxed and harassed have continued on. In addition to video games, Zoe has also started a second career as a comic book writer, contributing to such high-profile comics as Marvel's Fearless and a new issue of the classic Adams Family series. They also recently published a memoir titled Crash Override, How Gamergate Nearly Destroyed My Life and How We Can Win the Fight Against Online Hate. In 2015, Zoe and Anita spoke out against online harassment at the United Nations and advocated for greater online protection. Later that year, Anita was named one of Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People in the World. It's strange when those who participate in online hate campaigns don't quite see the irony in all of it, how they continue again and again to prove exactly what feminist gamers express and to the most extreme degree. In the classic cognitive dissonance of abuser as victim, some Gamergate supporters are always the ones who are being oppressed, never the person they harass. They see it as deserved because Zoe and Anita and the others had the audacity to add their voices to this virtual man cave. And she also allegedly cheated on a guy and lied about it. And that's some serious fodder for those who are angry at women already. But of course, there's always another side to the story, and Zoe's is of an obsessive man who eventually turned violent. Free speech is a cardinal law to those that promote conspiracy theories like Gamergate, but it somehow only applies to their own right to harass their targets and spread dangerous information and does not apply to those who write from different perspectives about the problems in this virtual man cave. Whatever legitimate grievances may exist are entirely offset by attempts to terrify those who disagree into silence and even into hiding. It's just like that old proverb, hell hath no fury like a misogynist gamer scorned. This was American Hysteria's Aftershock. Next time on the show, we're covering perhaps the most complicated thing we ever have, outrage culture. If you'd like to support our show, you can become a patron and receive extra content every month as well as early episode drops. You can also leave us positive reviews on whatever platform you listen on. And come and follow us on social media as well, where you can get more extra content. 
American Hysteria is written, produced, and hosted by me, Chelsea Weber-Smith. Sound designed by Clear Camo Studios, co-written by Riley Smith, and co-produced by Miranda Zickler. Thanks, as always, for listening, and if I do get back into video games, you know you'll find me 50-50 grinding on a telephone wire in Tony Hawk Pro Skater. Have a great week. Friends, hello. I'm Mike Rignetta, the host of Never Post, a new and independent news podcast about and for the internet. In addition to bringing you the latest in current events, we try to figure out why the internet and the world because of the internet is the way it is. How did influencers destroy tween fashion? What is posting disease and how do you ensure you don't catch it? From what device must one send important emails? We talk about what's going on online and ask together, why? Why are we like this? Find Never Post wherever you get your podcasts.